0: I want to take a few minutes and I just want to read with you in John 15. This is what God has burned my heart with to share with you tonight. This is a this is a beautiful passage of scripture and the context of this goes back into chapter 14 and even a little bit before that. So this is one scene and we're kind of jumping into the middle of this scene when we come to chapter 15. And so I, I hope to be able to give you some context with this. And we're also going to go to first John chapter one and a few other passages there. If you want to find that it's towards the end of the Bible, right before the book of Revelation. Um, and so I wanted to share some things out of that particular book as well. And so here we are in John 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch. Every branch. In me, and I, I want, now these words are important. Every branch in me, that word in, in me, that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. And in verse 2, he said, every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And in verse 2, that branch is in him, but it's not bearing fruit. And he says, he'll take it away. But in verse 4, he says, "...abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more you except you abide in me." Seems to be maybe a discrepancy. In verse 2, if you're in him and you're not bearing fruit, he takes it away. In verse 4, he just simply says, "...if you're in him, if you abide in him, that you don't bear fruit of your own power." But just simply because you're abiding in the vine. Then he goes on and says in verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. He that abides in me. And I in him. The same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If you're in him. He is in you. You bring forth much fruit. Without him you can do nothing. If, now here's verse 6, it's a transition statement. If a man abides not in me. This is the first time Jesus is using the, 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 the this, this statement of somebody not being in him. Everything we've read so far is about a branch being in him. But now in verse 6, he makes a distinction of a man that's not in him. He didn't abide. He didn't remain. He didn't stay there. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth. In verse 2, he says he takes it away. But in verse 6, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire. And they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And I want to pause there, and I want to go back to verse 2. And in going to verse 2, I just want to remind you that Jesus says very clearly in verse 1, I am the vine, my Father is the husbandman. That just simply means Jesus is the living vine, and the heavenly Father is the one who tends this vine. And he says in verse 2, which I love this, Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. In the original Greek, that word takes away means to lift up or to raise. It doesn't mean to remove as some of us might think. And so what Jesus is saying here is my father is watching over this vine who is Jesus. And not only does the father watch Jesus, but he watches all of the branches that are in Jesus, that are abiding in Jesus. And sometimes there are branches that are struggling. There are other branches that are doing very well, producing fruit. And the branches that are producing fruit, the husbandman, the father, tends to them as well. He purges them so they can bear more fruit. Because it's the Father's desire to bear much fruit. But sometimes there are these branches that are, and it's very important, in Him. They're in Him. And they're not bearing fruit. And so what does He do? If you're in Him, then the Father's going to give you attention. He's not going to cast you forth because you're in Him. But what He's going to do is lift you up. And he is going to remove hindrances that are in your life from bearing the fruit that the Father wants you to bear. He cares about you. He's not trying to get rid of you. But he's positioning you so that whatever is causing you to not bear fruit will cause you to bear fruit. I'm not much of a a gardener at all. My dad used to piddle with gardens in in the backyard. He had plant tomatoes. And I remember oftentimes my dad would tend to these tomato branches, you know, the vine of the tomatoes and the tomato branches would get weighted down. And if those branches would get on the ground, they couldn't bear fruit. If the fruit they did bear occurred, that fruit would rot on the ground. So my dad would get these, these little pieces of linen and he would put a stake in the ground and he would tie those vines in such a way that they were lifted up Off of the ground. So that it would not be restricted. From pushing the fruit. Out of that branch. And that's typically what verse 2 is referencing. That if you're down. If you're downcast as a believer. If there is something hindering. Or restricting the life of that vine. From getting to you and through you. But you are in the vine. Then the father is going to lift you up. So that whatever the hindrances are, you are delivered from them. And now the fruit can come out of your life. And he makes a distinction in verse 6 about somebody that is no longer abiding in the vine. They're not in the vine anymore. They've fallen off from that vine. These are cast away. They are taken out and removed and they wither and they die. Verse 2 doesn't is not that analogy. That it withers and it dies. But it's raised up and it's lifted by the Father. How beautiful that is of God. And then he goes down. We're going to pick up with this in verse 7. As we finished. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. There is a desire in Jesus That we learn how to ask. Because there is a desire in the Father to give us what we ask. Now the condition of asking and receiving has to be from the abiding. Abiding in Him. Abiding in the vine. He abiding in us. And His words abiding in us. Then on that basis we begin to ask God. And as we ask God, he says, it shall be done unto you. Now, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. All of this that we're reading in chapter 15, verses 1 through verses 8, please listen to me, is talking about a life that is intimate with Jesus Christ. A life that is... Personally attached to Jesus Christ. Is committed to being joined to him. We're talking about discipleship. We're not talking about the kind of Christianity that seems to be so popular today. Say a prayer. Confess that you even believe in the vine. If you just confess that you believe in the vine. Then all is well with you. No, this is not what this is teaching. This is teaching discipleship and it's not teaching the fact, confess that you believe there is a vine, but it's saying abide in that vine. This is discipleship. Be intimate with him. Be joined with him. Be committed to him. Be so close to him that his life is in you and you are in him and his words are in you. That is a Christianity today that few are striving to live. That would give me great concern for the people of verse 6. Who maybe have said sinners prayers in their life. They're hardly ever to be found in church. They have all types of problems. They have all types of of catastrophic situations that they're dealing with in life traumas that they're dealing with in life and they're not being successful they're not overcoming they're being overcome marriages are being overcome children are being overcome the culture is taking their teenagers and taking their grandchildren and yet where is that abiding of christ where we can go to god and we can ask the lord Because we're abiding in Him and He's abiding in us and His Word is in us. And we can ask the Lord and we can see the victory of God in our homes, our families, and our culture today. There seems to be such powerlessness in so many Christian lives. Not because we lack the confession, but are we abiding in Him? And Jesus says this in verse 8. I'm reading it again. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be. My disciples, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep, I want, to, I want you to look at this. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. And so here's Jesus, and he makes a distinction. And he says this in verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. And remember, he's talking about abiding, being intimate. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And then he makes this distinction, as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Beloved, listen to this. Jesus is given an introduction to the new covenant. Jesus is declaring that it was my responsibility to demonstrate my love for my Father by keeping my Father's commandments that none of you could keep. I'm not putting that on you, but I am putting on you this. If you love me, keep my commandments. And he's talking about a new covenant life where we actually abide in him and he abides in us. He came to fulfill the will of God. He came in order that everything according to the law of God was absolutely fulfilled. Jesus said this. Don't think that I have come to discard the law and the prophets. I have come to fulfill them. He came and he kept his father's commandments. And therefore he was able to remove that because it was an obstacle to us. But he left us with a commandment to keep. And as we keep that commandment, we abide in his love. What is that commandment that he's asked us to keep? Go back to chapter 13 of John. And Jesus says this in verse 34. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. That's Jesus' commandment. This is a new commandment I give you. This is his commandment. Back in chapter 15 of of John. You will see in verse 12. As we go on. Jesus says. This is my commandment. That you love one another. As I have loved you. This is his commandment. Don't make it oppressive. But understand. What is this commandment? Love. And what is the fruit of the spirit? Love. Galatians chapter 5. Says that the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Is love. Joy. Peace. Peace. Patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, long-suffering. Love is not something that you can produce, but love is the fruit that is produced in everybody's life that is in the vine. And if there is a situation in life where you've been run over, knocked over, blown over, and you're hanging low, and you're finding it very hard to produce that type of fruit of love in your life, then the father, the husbandman, looks at that branch that's in Christ, knowing you have just been wounded, you've just been abused, you've just been betrayed, you've just been hurt, you've just went through a season of life where you were confused. I'm doing something and you don't understand it, and you're really low right now. I'm going to lift you. That's what I'm going to, I'm going to lift you so you will be able to bear love in your life. And this is how you know that you are abiding in him. Verse 17, he says this again, these things I command you that you love one another. This is the command of Jesus Christ. He came, fulfilled his father's commands, but he asked us to keep his command. And that is to love one another. This is again repeated in John's book in 1 John. I want you to see it in chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. The Bible says in verse 22. John says, and and, and I want you to see some of the similarities of John 15. About asking and receiving. Because that's what he's talking about in John 15. And in 1 John 3, this is what John's talking about again. And he says in 1 John three twenty two, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Doesn't that sound like John 15? And this is his commandment. This is how they understood it, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. He that keeps his commandments dwells in him or abides. And he in him. And hereby we know that he abides in us by the spirit which he has given to us. How beautiful, how wonderful that truly is. In chapter 4 of 1 John verse 19. It says we love him because he first loved us. If a man say I love God. And hates his brother. He is a liar. For he that loves not his brother. Whom he has seen. How can he love God whom he's not seen. And this commandment. Have we from him. That he who loved God. Love his brother also. Again repeating the same commandment. Over and over again. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the, is the Christ. Is born of God. And everyone that loves him. That begot loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. So who is he that overcomes the world But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. And that belief is the catalyst of discipleship. It brings somebody not to say, I believe in a vine. But I am joined to that vine. I'm abiding in that vine. I feast upon his words. This was the essence and the urgency of John's epistle. In First John, when he wrote this, going back to John 15, I want you to see that there is a desire in God. And don't lose First John yet. If you did, go back to it. But I want you to see this in John 15. One of the great desires of our Heavenly Father is that we bear much fruit because in bearing much fruit, it glorifies the Father. And the fruit that we bear is the love that we have for God And the love that we have for one another. If you love Jesus, love one another. Love one another. And the only means by which you can keep that commandment. Is by abiding in the vine. Because John said in his epistle. This is how we know that he does abide in us. And we abide in him. It is because of his, his spirit. It is because of the Holy Spirit. And so the father desires glory. But what does God have in mind for you but joy? That's what he has in mind for you. A joyful life. A happy life. He says that in John 15 in verse 11. I've spoken these things to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Listen to me, beloved. The only person that's going to live a joyful life, a full life of joy on this planet is the person that's abiding in Jesus Christ. A person that is living in Him, and Jesus is living in them, and the words of Jesus are in them, and they're talking to the Heavenly Father, and the Heavenly Father is answering their prayers, and they're having incredible joy, and the Father's getting incredible glory. It's just a great, great celebration of joy and rejoicing in the people of God who live with God. This is given to us. He's not telling us, keep my commandments so you'll be depressed. He's saying, I'm telling you this so you'll be joyful. In 1 John chapter 1, it's the same thing repeated again. 1 John chapter 1 is basically a, a commentary on John 14, 15, and 16. And he says this in 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we've heard We've seen with our eyes. We've looked upon. Our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested. We've seen it. Bear witness. Show to you that eternal life. Which was with the Father. And was manifested to us. Now that's beautiful. Stop right there. That's beautiful. You know what John's talking about? An experience. And does an experience save? No. Many people have had experiences with Jesus Christ. Many people have experienced the presence of God. Many people have experienced a touch from Jesus. Many people could say they've touched Jesus. But that doesn't necessarily imply that there is this full life of joy and salvation. Notice what John goes on to say. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. That you also may have fellowship with us now. He's transitioned from a man who's had an experience with the Christ. A man who said, I've touched the vine. I've seen the vine. I've heard the vine. That's one thing. But now he's saying in verse 3, I have fellowship with the vine. That means there's an abiding. I have come into that vine. That vine has come into me. And this is life. And this is the life of joy. Not people that have these confessions of faith, these confessions of Jesus, and they're living miserable lives. They're living depressed lives. They hardly ever see the miracles of God. They pray often, but hardly ever see answers to prayer. They're not happy. But how happy are we to see God change the weather? How happy are we? How happy are we to see Billy get up here and testify. God touched me and I'm healed. How happy are we because we get to abide in the vine and see the miracles because we prayed the prayers. And our heavenly father answered. Oh, how beautiful that is. How absolutely wonderful. So he says in verse 3, we have fellowship. Have We're writing this. Declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full and if you have a desire to understand john 14:15 and 16 more fully then break down first john because it is a synopsis of what jesus was talking about in these this episode of the last night that he would be with his disciples before he would be betrayed and John breaks it down in his epistle, and it's absolutely beautiful. And beloved, I want you to know this, and I want you to really hear me, that God wants fellowship with us. God wants to be intimate with us. God wants to be so intimate with us that he wants the life of his son in you. And he tells us in, his, in 1 John that the way you can know, that in the only way that you can know that you are in the vine and that, that the life of the vine is in you, is by the Holy Spirit. And that's what John told us in his epistle. We read that. And so I want you to go back to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And I want you to see these statements that Jesus makes, because he's preparing them for the fact that he's leaving. And though Jesus is leaving, he wants them to understand though I'm going away, I I want you to know. This is going to change some of the dynamics, but it's not going to change our intimacy. Even though I'm not going to be on earth and I'm going to my father in heaven, I expect you to abide in me. And I promise to abide in you. And I promise supernaturally to produce fruit through your life. And that fruit is love. And the means by which that fruit is going to be produced is by the Holy Spirit. So although I'm going to heaven and you're going to watch me rise up into the clouds and sit at the right hand of my father, I'm still with you by the Holy Spirit. This is the way we have life and fellowship. And so he says this, and it's so beautiful what he says. And he comes back to this in verse 12, what the works that I've done, you'll do. And he says in verse 13, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name. And now he's talking about asking, which he's going to talk more about that in chapter 15. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So some people take that out of context and they just say, Okay, in the name of Jesus, give me this. In the name of Jesus, give me that. In the name of Jesus, I confess this. And in the name of Jesus, I confess that. Well, the explanation... Of this in context is chapter 15. About abiding in him. And him abiding in you. And his words abiding in you. And the whole desire of your heart. Is that the father gets the glory. That's the whole desire of your heart. That God gets the glory. And so he says this about asking. And then he says in verse 14. If you ask anything in my name. I will do it. If you love me keep my commandments. And I will pray the father. And he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I do not intend for our relationship to be distant. I'm not going to send you text messages. I'm coming to you. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. He says this, verse 19, in a little while, the world will see me no more, but you will see me. God wants you to see him. I'm talking about intimacy. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about intimacy with God. God. And to really see God, to really hear God, to really have God personally in my life. There's no way I can be depressed with God with me. And he says this in verse 19. Again, a little while the world sees me no more, but you see me because I live. You shall live also at that day. You shall know that I am in my Father and you're in me and I am in you. That sounds like divine to me. He's about to elaborate on that in chapter 15. And again, he talks about his commandments. He that keeps my commandments loves me. He that loves me shall be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. Well, how do you know that you love God? Because you love each other. That's how you know you love God. How can you, John said it in his epistle, how can you say you love God whom you haven't seen if you don't love your brothers that you see? How in the world do you know you want to go to heaven when you die if you don't want to go to church when you live? I mean, that's the condition. I know that I love God because I love you. There's something moving inside of me. That gives me great conviction when I gossip about you. There's something that brings me to repentance if I've slandered you. And it's the love of God. There's something in me that wants to sacrifice for you. There's something in me that wants to help you. There's something in me that wants to benefit you. This is not human. This is God. Humans are self-absorbed. But God wants to help and so the reason I know I love God is because I love you. I don't want to gossip about you. I don't want to slander you. I don't want to draw a circle that leaves you out. Because I love God. And so this is the proof. This is how we know that we keep his commandments. This is how we know that we love him. Because we love each other. And he goes down and he says this. Jesus answered in verse 23. He says, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my father will love him. And we will come to him. We will come to him. We will Come to him and make our home with him. You're actually becoming the temple of the Holy Spirit. The living God making his home inside of you. But he that loveth me not doesn't keep my sayings. The word which you hear is not mine, but it's the Father's which sent me. I've spoken these things to you. Being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. I'm leaving you my peace. That peace is the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus is talking about his leaving and his departure. I go away. Then he goes into chapter 15 about the vine, the life that goes through the vine. Is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit moves through that vine. Who is Jesus Christ. And everything. Every person who is in him. The life of the Holy Spirit. Works its way out into every branch. Every person. That is in the vine. Has the Holy Spirit. Moving into their life. And the Holy Spirit. His ultimate objective is one thing in your life. Bear fruit. Bear fruit. Bear fruit. Because this glorifies the Father. And I want much fruit. I want a lot of love. A lot of love. It's great that you're loving, but I want to lift you up because I want better fruit and I want more fruit. So I'm going to lift you up. And some of you are doing really great, bearing a lot of love, but I'm going to prune you. I'm going to send some affliction into your life. I'm going to send somebody into your life you don't like. You don't get along with them real well this is a person that is really hard to take and I'm going to bring them into your life because I'm doing some pruning on you because you love good but you can love better and I'm going to expose you you're going to think it's them you're going to say God why are they in my life I'd be a much better Christian without them in my life and then God's going to finally get you to see I put them in your life not because of them I wanted you to see what you are so you can love better I'm pruning you I'm pruning you. That's what God's doing. We're trying to get away from them. And we get away from God, God's got another one just like them. He's going to send them right. Run to the next church. There's another one just like them. He's going to send you. Quit church. There's another one just like them at work. you you got to face what God's doing. He's pruning you. So you can bear more fruit. And this is the things that he's doing in your life. He closes chapter 15 with the with the Holy Spirit. Being sent to us it's the spirit of truth he proceeds from the Father, the Holy Spirit is not a force he 's not an inanimate object he 's not an emotion he 's not power he's He's a person he's the person of God. he proceeds from the Father, he is God himself, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Who comes to you and when he, listen, when he comes to you, it is as though Jesus has not gone anywhere. Praise God. Imagine how your life would be so different if you could ride with Jesus in the car every day. If you could go to bed and Jesus is right there in your bedroom every day. In your moments of loneliness, if you could throw your head on Jesus' shoulder and cry a little bit. and He was right there in the flesh. Imagine how your life would change. Imagine how your faith would change if Jesus was right there and your little baby's sick. And Jesus is right there. But Jesus is so distant to us. He's so far away from us. But he's not. He's right there in the person of the Holy Spirit to be everything to us Jesus would be. This is the yearning of God for you. This is the love of God for you. This is the joy God wants you to have. And that he wants me to have. And what a wonderful, beautiful gift the Holy Spirit is. In chapter 16, Jesus continues. Because he wants them to get it. Oh, this gift that's coming to you. It's so precious, y'all. It's so wonderful what Jesus is talking to them about. Those, Those 120 people in an upper room in Jerusalem. Waiting for the promise of the Father. They knew exactly what they were waiting for. Jesus is telling them, I'm sending him to you. I'm sending him to you. I'm sending him to you. I'm going away, but I'm sending him to you. The promise of the Father, he's coming to you. They weren't in that upper room waiting all of those days. Well, I wonder what the Father's going to send us. They, They knew he's sending us himself. And how tragically sad it is that there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who experienced the vine, but only 120 people sat in that upper room until the Holy Ghost came. fellowship, fellowship with the vine. Look how beautiful this is. Jesus says in verse 6 of chapter 16, because I've said these things to you, sorrows filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is expedient. It is good and necessary and beneficial and wonderful for you that I go away. Oh, if we could just believe that. For if I don't go away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he is calm, he's going to deal with this world. How many of you know we need the Holy Spirit to deal with our culture today? He can reprove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He can do it. Oh, if we could just get out of the way and let him do it. Jesus said, I have so many things to say to you. But you can't bear them now. I mean, I just, y'all, when I read this, I just get so excited. Because here's God, and He said, "I've got so much that I want to talk to you about, but I can't, I can't talk to you about it till I leave you." What does that mean? It means that everything He wanted to tell them that He couldn't tell them until He left, and when the Holy Spirit comes, I have that same teacher. I have the same. I have the same Holy Spirit. The excitement of that to me is that whatever he came to tell them, he is on the earth right now to tell me. That's just, that's thrilling to me. It's just, it gives me such joy. And then he says this in verse 13. "Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth has come. This is what he's going to do for you. He'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself. Whatever he hears, he'll speak. He will show you things to come. I asked the men in men's Bible study a couple of weeks ago. So how often do you think the Holy Spirit hears from God, the Father and the Son? Maybe once every 25 years. So maybe once every 25 years, once a year, you're going to hear something from God. It's, it says right here that whatever, verse 13, whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak. I believe he hears the father and the son a lot. I believe he wants to speak a lot to me. I can hear the father. I can hear the son because of the Holy Spirit. And he will show you things to come. He will glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. How beautiful. How absolutely beautiful. That truly is. And then in verse 27, the Father himself loves you because you've loved me and you've believed that I came out from God. And I just think that is so incredible. And I want to say this to you tonight, just in closing, that the desire of God, the yearning of God, is that he could be intimate with you. There's nothing, there's, there's, there's no worse testimony For Jesus Christ. Than the profession of Christianity. But a heart and a life. That doesn't love. That doesn't sacrifice. That doesn't. Lay itself down. For the benefit of other people. And that is not. What fallen humanity does. But that's what Jesus does. And that's the fruit the Holy Spirit. Produces through our life. And the desire of God is. I want to give you great joy. I want to give you the most joy that anybody could ever have on this planet. But listen, if you want that, you have to be filled with my spirit. You have to abide in me, and I in you, and my words abide in you, and then you're going to communicate with me. You're going to pray. You're going to ask the Father things, and the Father's going to say yes. And he's going to do it for you. And you're going to be so happy. Because your God is the Lord. Your God. Is the Lord. And through that joy. And that love. The world will see. The attraction. Of a real Jesus Christ. A real Jesus Christ. And I say that. You all all remember. The joy that you have. In the presence of God, I mean, for me, even Saturday night, Saturday night to me was absolutely incredible. Just being in the presence of God and praying and worshiping God. And my heart was just like being raptured, you know, I was just like because I enjoyed watching you guys love each other. You remember a few Wednesday nights ago, we were here till after midnight. And we're just dancing and singing and running and quiet and praying and kneeling and then running and dancing and singing and then quiet. Wave after wave after wave and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. There wasn't a depressed person in the room. It was just everybody and and you heard the call. Everybody just loving everybody. We just loved everybody. It was just so wonderful. No eggshells. It was just like we were so free. Free. That's how God wants us to live. That's how God wants you to live. The love Jesus didn't leave you. He's not ignoring you, He's there in His Spirit. And by the Spirit, to be everything to you as though Jesus were there in the flesh. But the Holy Spirit is necessary. Jesus said, it's so necessary for me to go because if I don't, he won't come. And Jesus is like, trust me, trust me. You will be so glad that I leave because of who's coming. Because when he comes, he can be in all of you. While Jesus was here in his human form like that. He could only be in one location at a time. But the Holy Spirit will be in all of you. And everything I've been doing, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And your joy is going to soar it's off the charts because your God is the Lord. Stand with me. I just want us to rejoice in the